Hi everyone, this is Plot Mechanics, a show where we talk about your favorite movies and movies you may not have heard of. I'm Motsi, and today we're talking about the first of my favorite film series of all time, The Hobbit, An Unexpected Journey, in which Bilbo Baggins, a hobbit, is persuaded into accompanying a wizard and a group of dwarves on a journey to reclaim the city of Erebor and all its riches from the dragon Smaug. It was one of the biggest films of the time it was released and certainly had the biggest impact on me. And you'll hear all about it and the trials and tribulations it went through during our discussion. So sit back, relax, and join us in the wonderful world of the Tolkien film franchise. And, but at the same time, I know that mainstream stuff has no teeth. Like, regard, like, in general, like, I will always be surprised if something, like, from Disney or from something or whatever has any more teeth than the, ba- than whatever, like, the actual creatives had to fight for. I you know? can't wait until you watch Raya. I, I did watch Raya. I did watch Raya. We didn't even have a conversation about it. I'm no, like, no, I thought it was no, Because the others said no. Because yeah, the others said no. I oh, yeah. man. Because they're all, they're, they're all spoilers. Oh, so no spoilers for now. Oh, we can no talk spoilers. about it later. We'll but anyway, um, okay. the yeah, essentially. The Hobbit. The Hobbit. Yeah, yeah, let's go to The Hobbit. Yes. Uh, another episode um, of Plot Mechanics. I don't know if my mic is on. but Let's, let's intro properly. Let's go. Why do we have an intro? Remember, uh, whatever. All oh, right. Yes. No, introduce your name. Give your name and stuff like that. I mean, it's what? Episode... Seven, eight, nine, ten. Technically, like forty-eight. I mean, uh-huh. at this point, <laughs> I think it's seven. No, it's but no, it's nine. It's nine. Yeah, I, I don't remember anything past like the one-hour mark after we record anything. So don't right. ask. Well, me. <laughs> you should know who we are, but see how this is an audio format, and you might not recognize my voice if you haven't listened to any of this before. Uh, yeah, once again, they're listening to. <laughs> maybe. Yeah, I'm Leon. I'm Ed. I'm Adil. And I'm Motsi. And this week. Uh, we are talking about The Hobbit on Unexpected Journey. Yeah. The extended cut. <laughs> the extended cut. I, I insisted on this. Given, yeah. I insisted on this because theatrical cuts in the Tolkien franchises do not exist and you should not acknowledge That is them. not true. Uh, okay, okay. You know what? I'm going to disagree with this. Right <laughs> wait, wait. The, the, <laughs> Lord of the Rings is better watched for the first time as the theatrical cut because it's meant as a movie. The What's in the extended is nice. <laughs> but it's not the way the best way to watch the movie the first That's time. Fine. No, no, no. I mean, yeah. I, I'm being I suck, a little I facetious. I second a deal. I second a deal. I'm being yeah, a little I'm facetious here. The only reason I say that is because um, I did. Get, I have a Tolkien tattoo, and that means that I must, uh, you know, fight for the dumb shit that Tolkien fans fight for, like extended cuts and fucking um, the next move. You know, I have strong opinions. Doesn't matter. They are all. They don't matter. But my strong opinion for this one is watch the extended cut even if doesn't matter <laughs> it is just I mean, 12 minutes i i co-sign i co-sign ed and adil on this one i feel yeah. like the extended cuts don't add anything to the theatrical cuts they just give you more if you enjoy the film give you more yeah, yeah yeah then yeah watch the extended because you get more of it but oh, if absolutely you don't like the films then the extended cuts just going to be more torture in, in, <laughs> <laughs> so and again, depending on the Tolkien fan that you are, if you're a Tolkien purist, you didn't like Lord of the Rings Any anyway, the so you're definitely yeah. not going to like The Hobbit. I want an unextended cut of this one. That's fair. Uh, I mean, like, okay, wait before we before we go any further, um, Adil, for, uh, I guess impressions of the movie. I don't know if you've seen it first time, second time, eighth time. Now this is uh, the first one. We're talking just about the first one. It would be the one, two, three, fourth. Maybe fifth time I've seen it. Ooh. It's the first time I've seen it extended. Hmm. Um, yeah, it's it ages like fine milk. Ooh. Wow. 
Ouch. It's okay. It, <laughs> it's it's okay. Objectively, it's not a good movie. I know there are issues with the production and everything. And Mati, I know you can't wait to talk about that. But um, it's also, I think, the best of the three. It is. Yeah. I, I want to just add, um, I actually did not want to talk about this movie. Um, just for some backstory there, I did not want to talk about this movie because it is one of those movies where talking about it to anybody else bums me out. It's like, it's, it's, um, it's a movie that is close to my heart in a very like visceral way. So like getting to any discussion about like, like, in a movie critic or movie like judgment setting. It's like, it's not something I wanted to do. The only reason I did do it is because of two things. One, um, this was between this and a horror movie, Shudder. And I was all for Shudder until um, until it, I realized, I. yeah, until I realized that um, I'm living alone currently. And I'm like, damn, that's probably not a good idea. And also, so I put it to a vote and the vote came out with Hobbit uh, at like what was it 50 to 40 or yeah 50 something 40 something yeah, so was I was weird. like I guess we're talking about The Hobbit but yeah like The Hobbit is the kind of movie where it's not about the movie itself that I would like it's what I'm going to talk at length about you know what I mean like regardless of like the quality of the movie or whatever the fact that it was like the biggest franchise at the time etc cetera, etc cetera. Um, apart from like uh, I don't know like the biggest fantasy franchise at the time it's like whenever I talk about this, it still is, yeah. Whenever I talk about this movie, I just get bummed out because it's like, uh, I, I don't really want to go over the discussion of its quality as a movie, as a movie <laughs> franchise. It's not really something I'm here for. It's not. Well, <laughs> they're plot mechanics. Exactly. No, so you, see why, you see why the iron, the, you see why I had to like give this disclaimer? Because for the rest of this time, either I'm going to speak too much or I'm going to not speak at all because I'm just like, uh I've had this discussion well, like maybe I can, I can, twenty thousand times. So I maybe I'll carry the torch for you instead <laughs> of you um, having to, to to talk about it. Watch me um, like if if we get if we if this is extra content like if we release the videos extra content you can just watch me being sad in the corner just like. <laughs> don't worry. Hey, I I love this movie. I really enjoy this movie. I don't understand the hate behind it. Um, <laughs> are there problems with it? Yes. Yes, there are significant <laughs> uh, issues with the movie. Um, I do not think. The Hobbit trilogy as a whole even holds a candlelight to the Lord of the Rings trilogy. Mm -hmm. But um, again, it's same thing with The Matrix. The Lord of the Rings I consider virtually perfect. It's one of my all-time favorite films. Um, I really like The Hobbit. I I think that the that it does give to some of Peter Jackson's worst tendencies, which is self-indulgent yeah. excess. But you mm -hmm. can make that argument that that's what he's done in every film that he's ever made. So I don't really find it too much of an issue here. I think that there are, um, uh, I think that the film tends to uh, focus a lot on the running away from things and fighting things, virtually telling an actual story. I do think that the, 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 the arc that Bilbo has come basically for half the movie, there is no arc and then it's a rushed arc. So there's yep. things like that that I haven't that that aren't that make it not a great movie, but as a piece of entertainment, um, I don't see what the issue is with this movie. There is so it's so, a solid seven out of ten for me. Hundred percent. Oh really? I co-sign that with Ed. I'm I'm putting this movie at like a seven point five eight. Now here oh, here wow. here is why hey. here is why, uh, and earlier I may have ranted about comic book movies and whole nine yards. So. This movie 
is like is like the Iron Man three of the Hobbit like fantasy world. It's right? Like to the people who love comic books and know the lore and fell in love with Iron Man for one and possibly some parts of two and had all of these expectations wrapped around this, they get this movie and they're just like, this doesn't meet my expectations. But um, I'm watching it again and I'm like, objectively, it's not a bad movie. It has solid arcs, it has solid characters. I mean, yes, a lot of that also comes from, you know, I played Dungeons and Dragons before and I could literally watch this movie and, and it, in my mind, it's I'm like, you could, you could play this out in Dungeons and Dragons the exact same way. You can have the party get split. You can have a halfling versus whatever orc thing golem is. You could have a, a bard trying to have a conversation with a goblin king until a wizard shows up and does a distance spell. Like you could do all of that stuff. Like it, it feels like someone who enjoys Dungeons and Dragons and, and plays the game helped make this movie. The problem with that is if anyone who plays Dungeons and Dragons goes to their friends and starts telling them about their characters and tell them about their stories and tell them all this, no one gives a shit. You're just like, I don't care what you're doing with your level eight bard. I don't care. This movie is that. This movie is a movie that is meant for people who want fantasy between the lines. So that's why there's a lot of problems with the movie as, as a movie, because it's not, it's not sold like a movie. It's not made to feel like a movie, if that makes sense. I don't hate the movie. I, 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 there are moments that I enjoy. It, it's got some good scenes, especially with Gollum. Uh, the problem with the movie, uh, okay, objectively, I give it a four because it's, um, it's not a good movie. There are issues with it that's, that's more than just the, the splitting of it into three films instead of two. There's more, there's issues, there are scenes that have nothing to do with the film that should not be in the film. You take them out, there's makes no difference. For example, the stone giants. Uh, and there's too much of that. The movie doesn't know what it wants. It doesn't have a clear protagonist where it should be Bilbo. And uh, yeah, it's, this movie has like a, personality crisis like uh doesn't know whether it wants to be um an epic fantasy or a children's day yeah and so, so I, I agree with you on that yeah uh, welcome to dungeons and dragons no, no finish your thought and, and yeah, I want dungeons to and dragons is a game it's not a movie you you can't if yeah dungeons and dragons very enjoyable tomorrow I have a game but it's not it's not the way to write a movie it's it's not the way to tell a story especially in this format and We'll get, I don't want to, you know, yeah. drop everything right now. We'll get into that a little more detail afterwards. But I love The Hobbit more than The Lord of the Rings. I mean, the books. And when I watch this film, I just wish I was reading the book again. Yeah. Um, I don't know. I Because I, I, I like the book. I like the book a lot. I, I prefer The Lord of the Rings as, as the book, as a book. Um, I... I guess from from my standpoint, as a, as a book, I think this film is fine in the representation of the events. Like I was gonna say, the Stone Giants is in the book, so that's that's something that they had right. to include, hundred percent. And, and I half do, a sentence. 
Yeah, but <laughs> they, they even allude to it in The Lord of the Rings. Like, it's part of something that Bilbo talked about in, at the party in The Fellowship of the Ring. So it was nice to see, to see that. And I knew it, that it was part of it. The Gollum uh, in the cave, like, that's, again, that's, that's a huge part of the book. Um, I think that you're right that the film does have an identity crisis. Hundred percent. I think that it's caught in between the uh, being like, like a, a book for chi- a, a story for children and not. And I think that came with the whole idea of making the Lord of the Rings first, and then the studio saying, "Well, you have to make a trilogy that's exactly like Lord of the Rings when the for Hobbit sure. is tonally different." And I think Peter Jackson is able to balance that out out in the theatrical cut because the extended cut has two songs that are completely unnecessary, <laughs> but. Um, yeah. I, I, I feel like, like this movie has that kind of that, that fun that the, that the Hobbit as a book had, it's not as serious as the Lord of the Rings. It's not as dark. And I think I, I enjoy that. And it is a little more of a simpler tale. And I think this movie captures that. Is it like 20 minutes, 30 minutes too long? Absolutely. Um, hundred percent. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I, I enjoy, I enjoyed that. And, um, there was one other thing I wanted to say, but I keep forgetting what I'm going to say now. This is the I, thing. I'm getting old. <laughs> I mean, like, first of all, I'm not even going to get to the point that you rated Silent Hill better than The Hobbit. So we're just going to ignore your... I gave, I gave it a five and gave this a four. Yes, I, I, rate, so, I, I still rate Silent Hill higher than this. I can't trust your ratings. I'm fine. I'm fine. I can't trust your ratings. I don't, I don't oh, do a, that's why I don't film. do a rating system. That's why I don't do a rating system. Like, I don't I'm, rate I don't rate films like... But even at that point, like, like, Silent Hill is doing something different than The Hobbit. Yes, stuff, I, right? I, I, I mean, I said, I said that more to be, I, I don't know, facetious. I yeah, know. I know. I know. Pretty silly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> but the deal. What is up with your rating system? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> My rating system makes sense. Yours does not. But <laughs> I mean, like, so I watch this movie, and I'm just like, you know what? Like, for for what this movie is. It serves a purpose. The problem with Lord of the Rings, uh, the, the problem with Hobbit, sorry, is that it's A, always going to be compared to Lord of the Rings. Mm-hmm. If this movie came out, if this trilogy came out first and then Lord of the Rings came out second, this movie would be liked a lot more. Uh, you know what? Because I'm, no, I'm going to no challenge that too. There's no benchmark for it. There's no, like, you, you watch The Hobbit and you already, you already have the books to compare it to. And then you already have a movie trilogy to compare it to and then you look at like well how did that movie trilogy also adapt the books thematically and you're just like well this move these this these series so lord of the rings two towers and uh king wow turn of the king um when you look at those and you're like well if they did that well and they took these elements from their books well and there is objectively a smaller book that is more compact, more tight, shorter story. Yes, I think the problem is they did they did extend it to three movies because they wanted money and the first one made a billion dollars. So, I mean, they 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 wanted that that marketing pull. Fine, that does have problems with how you tell a story based on a book. But also, the the litmus test has already been given and people are comparing it. And I think that like outside of the influence and um i guess gravitas of living in its big brother's shadows like it's a good movie it's just it just it cannot it can't not 
be compared to Lord of the Rings. Well, it should, well here's the thing. A lot of people just defend this movie by saying like, yeah, people hate it because it's, they always compare it to the Lord of the Rings. This movie welcomes that. This movie tries everything to be the Lord of the Rings. And that's the issue because this is not the Lord of the Rings. Everything that doesn't work with this movie, well, everything that's Lord of the Rings about this movie doesn't work. Also, everything agree. that works about this movie is when Bilbo is really the protagonist. When the limelight is on him, when he's, it's about him and he has the agency. So everything that whenever he's there and it's from his perspective, for example, when the dwarves arrive, when he's with Gollum, and, and you see that more even in the sequels too, when he's saving them in, at, at the elves and stuff like that, that's when the movie really, really works. Why? Because Bilbo should be the protagonist, but he isn't. It, even though it's called The Hobbit, he isn't. He's completely sidelined in this movie less than the next two. The third one, most of all. But whenever he's there, whenever it's really about him, the movie really works. I anyway, Moxie, you I know you have a lot to say, and you also have to summarize this thing. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I mean, say your I point, and then summarize the movie. Right. I just want to disagree with that. Just on a certain, like, I mean, I, I, it is a strength when they focus on Bilbo. And I think, like, yeah, Bilbo's a strong character, and I think that Martin Freeman did him well. Um, I, what I like about this movie is that, in the first place, what is the, what is the, um, what is it, what is it, the narrative um, setup for this? It is Bilbo essentially in universe writing the book of the red book of Westmarch. let me just start bringing out some ridiculous tolkien um, bullshit but he wrote that book about his adventures which is to say that he, even he in his own mind apart from the moments where he's alone is not the protagonist of his own story and it's like it's it's interesting because it does like it does have a hard time telling that no no here's the thing it's it does have a hard time kind of delineating that because uh, apart from the moments in which first when the dwarves arrive and second when he is on his own he's more of a it's like it's like almost dante in that like dante's dante's inferno where he talks about what happens like around him he's telling a story of somebody else or something else um where he is observing it and like as an observer that's kind of like that's kind of the difficult thing like he's not necessarily the protagonist unless events are happening to him specifically and in this case it is the king thorin who is for a lot of the story that bilbo is observing that is a central that is a central point central piece and it is difficult to balance that because even in the original book it's like he, it is about the hobbit and it was very enjoyable and it was meant to be a children's book but it is the fact that they had to make a film that was an action adventure that was a high fantasy that came after lord of the rings and like um would have to like address different things that happened like in pre preceding lord of the rings made it difficult to find that balance and i don't think it could have been done like in a way that would have satisfied more people than, it, than how it was done in the film at that the said, end of the episode I will, i'm going to tell you how how I would have done it. 
but 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 summarize away summarize away right um i don't have a summary prepared i just remember everything that happened in this entire film because i watched it about ten thousand times in college nice. um i memorized the opening like lines of this film but okay oh, you can summary, summary with, the, with those then just opening the lines it is like i can feel it in the water i can no, i'm kidding it's fine i'm kidding that's that's lord of the rings so um essentially the hobbit is about the hobbit bilbo baggins it takes place before Lord of the Rings, and it is about his adventures uh, with an adventuring with a company of 13 dwarves and Gandalf the wizard. And they are off to find, um, they're off to rich to, um, what do you call it? They're off to uh, restore the old dwarven kingdoms from the dragon Smaug. Um, and in the background of all this, um, it is because Gandalf knows that there is an evil rising and they need all of these kingdoms to be more prepared to be more established. That's kind of the basic thing. And Bilbo is there because they needed a thief and he is essentially telling the story um, in universe to, um, he's writing the story down and observing things that are happening on their adventures. That's kind of the basic premise of The Hobbit. And um, in another thing that about The Hobbit that is not in the original book, because the original book was written first, um, is elements that Tolkien added much later in his appendices. So events in The Hobbit, um, when Tolkien was able to uh, flesh out his world more, a lot of the things that you see in the film, especially the extended editions, is stuff that Tolkien himself wrote into the world of Tolkien. So um, that's just something I wanted to bring up, <laughs> which we'll go into later. So The Hobbit, and an unexpected journey, had a very strange route to getting made. Many directors were attached to them, one of them being Guillermo del Toro, mm -hmm. uh, until Peter Jackson finally decided to take the mantle up himself. Um, the Hobbit, an unexpected journey, was made on a production budget of a just under $200 million. Now to put that into perspective, the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy was made for about $200 million, roughly about $93 million a film. They spent that all on one film in this Hobbit trilogy. Um, so with that, obviously higher uh, expectations for its performance. The film performed extremely well, opening up to an $84 million domestic opening, ending its run with a total of domestic total of $303 million, a worldwide box office total of $1 billion, $17,003,568, making it the second highest grossing film in the entire Lord of the Rings trilogy, uh, second only to The Return of the King. Um, probably the reception of this made the, the, the other two films not able to crack that billion dollar mark. Um, but the the critical reception for The Hobbit and Unexpected Journey is a 64% on Rotten Tomatoes. Uh, that's averaged out of 305 reviews. Surprisingly on IMDb, the average user score is extremely high for the amount of hate that this film has. Um, it is a 7.8 out of 10 uh, based on 760,000 uh, user reviews. Yeah, but someone is because <laughs> people like it. But... No, that's so, because well... fans have a way to do things like that. It's it's the reason why yeah. uh, uh, what's what's the movie the ninety four uh, Shawshank Redemption is the highest rated movie in I. Yeah, no, I, I totally get that, but I'm sorry. Um, at the same time, it's um there was no movement to go like. I obviously I was like in the height of that fandom, so I would know at least on a certain level. 
There was no movement to make the Hobbit look better than it was because um, even like it's the same thing as like other popular movies that aren't maybe not necessarily like critically acclaimed. The the fandom was enormous. Like it was an entire culture. Like it was it had the impact of MCU movies. Like that was how big the Hobbit was at the time. And obviously, like interest started going down with each movie for good reason. But at the same time, it's like it was. It kind of filled a gap that Lord of the Rings left behind. I think that in general, in every like generation of um, storytelling, there's always a fantasy gap or like, you know, there's a sci-fi gap, you know, there's like in each genre, there is something that really distills um, the genre that people like. And in this particular instance, it was fantasy and Lord of the Ring, uh, sorry, The Hobbit filled that space that a lot of people had been kind of craving for. And yeah, like I mentioned, like regardless of my opinions on the movie as a movie, it was more the impact on, um, on fans and like on just movie watching and culture in general was bigger than the storytelling would lead you to believe, like would bigger than the critical reception and everything. I don't know. I, I feel like I'm like, I, I feel like I'm not giving, I'm giving a very biased thought, um, obviously a very biased like look at The Hobbit because it struck, it, it affected me so much that I could tell you like most of my life was The Hobbit for these, for the run of these three movies. It's like, it's my life. And that's like difficult for me to really give an objective view on. I, yeah, I, I know Leon wanted to make a point. I'm just gonna make one very quickly before. Um, I, I find that this movie is structured roughly around three characters. Like the story is structured around three characters, which is Gandalf, uh, Thorin and Bilbo. And when you looked at it that way, the other characters, like, cause one of the biggest complaints I've heard with this movie is that there's too many characters. Well, there are, but the only ones that you have to know are those three. So I find that whenever the, whenever Bilbo isn't on screen, the focus is still on one of those two characters. Gandalf, obviously, because he thinks that there's something um, happening and which is his whole thing is why I'm getting Bilbo and getting Thorin to 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 his his home to t reclaim his home is because i feel that this is how it how it should be there's something at work here and i feel like this is the best place that this character should be thorin obviously he's has like that aragorn arc which is i'm the king and uh, the rightful heir and, and i and i'm gonna go and reclaim it also burdened with the idea of like the madness of his previous ancestors that could very well over over like you know uh, have an effect on him and bilbo having you know, being th thrown into this adventure and, and given every opportunity to go back and his arc basically ends with him deciding to help. And they give a very nice reason for it, which is the idea that, well, Bilbo has a home to go back to and people that don't have that, it's like, we should be, I wanna help them, help them achieve that. I thought that was really nice. So for me, the story structured around these three characters, it works, it's focused on those three. So I don't really have that that issue with 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 the, the movie's focus anyways well like and that is kind of touching on the point and why i think adil is right with his initial point and the idea that the one the thing that lord of the rings the trilogy did really well was that they had fantastic ways of balancing their characters and they either did that with either uh a character that kept that one grounded or kept that character connected to the film, right? So like the original Lord of the Rings trilogy, 
probably, and I'll say it right now, I'll get as much hate as I want, probably would not have done so well or be received so well if Samwise wasn't there to constantly ground Frodo in that adventure within those groups. So because the original trilogy basically had all of these characters and, you know, Gimli and, and Aragorn and all the people and was like, how do we make this overarching story, but then weave this tapestry of character development to the point where Frodo, although he is the main character in the movie, bringing the ring to Mordor, like, because Frodo is the main character, that doesn't negate everyone else's character arcs throughout this movie. The Hobbit, on the other hand, does exactly what Ed says. And instead of, instead of weaving, huh, Hugo weaving, sorry. Instead of weaving all of these, <laughs> these characters um, as an intertwined story, they basically said, here's three separate characters. Here are three of their arcs that kind of just move parallel. And at one point they will meet. And it, it's the difference between having a, a tapestry with all of these fantastic woven pieces that make this bigger picture to having three pieces of thread that eventually just meet at the end of a piece to of To be fair, to be fair to all the people who made the story, which is Peter Jackson, Philip yep. Boyens, and Fran Walsh. All, everyone always touts Peter Jackson only, but um, Fran Walsh is Peter Jackson's wife, and Philip Boyens is the head writer who has been there since Lord of the Rings. All three of these people, they did something magical, which is make a, an epic story that works with these like three, with these characters, like with the, with, yeah, with these characters from, <laughs> from The Hobbit in which there is literally zero distinction between all the dwarves. None of the dwarves were meant to ever have any personality whatsoever except for Thorin and like um, so it is like fascinating so that's actually one of my favorite things about this movie it's the dwarves it's surprising surprise the pe thing that people don't really like about it is my favorite thing um, because <laughs> it is like it is a massive undertaking to take the source material in which none of the dwarves matter <laughs> except for except for Thorin none of the dwarves matter um, guess what, what guess what Feely and Keely, yeah, but listen, could you tell me anything about Feely and Keely as characters in no. the original Hobbit book? Yeah. Oh, yeah. What? Feely and Keely are the most loyal of the dwarves. Also, they are because they are um, the the heirs Nephews, to Thorin. Yeah. They are, mm -hmm. they are related to him. Yeah. They are his kin, and they are the most loyal. Every time Thorin says something like that, they are going to do yeah. it right away. It's, yeah. And I, I remember yeah. that from a book I read 20 no, years ago. No, but that's the thing, though. But that's the thing, though. Here's <laughs> the thing. Right Here's the there. thing. That's not really character writing. It's they're related. It's a children's tale. Exactly. No, no, no but this that's is the, not yeah. a children's tale. Exactly, Adil. That's why it's such an undertaking to make it make sense. Because this was never meant to be a children's movie. And obviously, that comes right down to the problem of the like the concept of making a Hobbit movie at all. So like the fact that like the fact that they had to make this film, okay, the fact that they were they were basically like pushed into making this film, um, and the fact that they were able to make it work is something that I always will appreciate them for. Because in the first place, your issue with the movie is that it shouldn't have never have been made the way it was. But it's but it was made the way it was because there's no other choice that they had. Well, there was someone else who was trying to make it a different way, and then they fired them. 
No, they didn't forward. fire him. They didn't. They fi- actually okay. did. No, a deal, a deal. You know what happened? So, just okay. Let's go into the backstory of the making of this movie. Why it was a disaster. Um, <laughs> one, uh, this movie was torn between two, two, yeah, two um, uh, studios that were not happy with each other, um, like rights wise. Uh, and it was MGM and, and, and New Line, right? M- MGM and New Line. Yeah. And at this point, like they had been fighting over the rights for years and years and years and years and years. And it took so long that Guillermo del Toro got tired and decided to work on Pacific Rim. They didn't fire him. He left because it was taking too long for anybody yeah. to make any decisions. So that's and fair. Also, they kept pushing it. And he said, we need, we need to do it now or else I'm going to have exactly. to leave. And then, exactly. and then the moment he left, they went into production. Or exactly. into production no, like right away. The and they yeah. ditched every, everything, all the prep no, he did okay, for the movie. No, okay, okay, yeah. They, had they to. wanted him out no, because no, they no. didn't like the vision he was bringing. No, no, no. The rights, the rights issues kept going on and on and he was tired. It's like it, mm. he chose to leave and that's good, of, that's good for him because I mean, honestly, like I wish I could have seen the Guillermo del Toro Hobbit movie. But the truth is like these, the, the new line at MGM did not give a shit. And I don't think that he could have done like, I mean, he could have done probably something magical, but at the same time, he, his choice to make Pacific Rim instead of the Hobbit was probably the correct one. Cause at least he could have, at least he was able to like work on something that um, wasn't like a disaster from the get-go. But okay, and, so all and that if said, I also, yeah, if I also remember, I also remember, because I remember Peter Jackson did not want to direct The Hobbit. He yeah. said, I want to produce it. He I want to have some other filmmaker to handle the reins because again, I don't want to be taking undertaking this film and having everyone compare it to The Lord of the Rings, which is essentially what happened. I remember he really wanted Del Toro to do it, but because Del Toro exited and he exited rather abruptly, um, he was basically told, at this point, well, you have to direct it. And he didn't have enough to like just go and shoot on. Like they rushed the film into production now, now that Peter Jackson was a director and he, didn't, and, he, and he didn't have everything completely finished. They did use whatever Del Toro had, but he also had to come up with, with their, their many changes, which was now instead of a two, a two film thing, which was Duology, supposed to be like yeah. The Hobbit as one film and then a, 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 a bridge film, an original bridge film to The Lord of the Rings was another. Now it's like, no, just do The Hobbit as three, three hour films. And it's like, what? Like, yeah. Yeah, no, what happened uh, to that? uh, Okay. And then another thing that happened, and by the way, um, this is going to bring up, oh God, the years I spent watching the nine hour behind the scenes. So let me just bring (laughs) out all of my behind the scenes knowledge about everything. Okay. So behind the scenes, one of, let me, let me quote, not quote, let me say what, what um, Peter Jackson said of Guillermo del Toro. He said, Guillermo del Toro made amazing preparation, concepts, and everything for this movie. He was very excited to see what Guillermo del Toro's Hobbit would be. Then Guillermo del Toro left for good reason. And now he did not want to make Guillermo del Toro's movie without Guillermo del Toro. So it's a matter of like, imagine trying to take everything Guillermo del Toro did and try to like make something without him. It feels like it's yeah. It feels like so. It it feels wrong. It feels bad, and I feel like it wouldn't would have been worse off for like trying to be Guillermo del Toro and not being Guillermo del Toro. So all that said, Peter Jackson had to rebuild everything from scratch um, at a rush production stage because if he was gonna make a movie, it had to be a movie that he was like kind of that was in his vision, which I respect, which is fine. Um, 
Yeah, so again, like, I'm going to spend all of my time, like, defending this movie from, like, a behind-the-scenes perspective. But the fact is, um, one of the, okay, going back to something that I mentioned before, because I went way off track, one of the things I love most about this movie is the dwarves. And the reason for that is because um, it actually got, it made the dwarves, um, it was interested in exploring the dwarves' culture and characters and just their backstory in a way that a lot of, Tolkien, like fans in general, Tolkien properties don't really go into. And I think like that was what really appealed to me about this film franchise and why the nine hour behind the scenes make me happy. Why I love like basically like all the stupid small details about this movie. It's because they decided that they would give each dwarf a personality and a look, a distinct look. Um, even if it wouldn't like, even if it wasn't like relevant to people who were looking for like the original, um, looking for the original like uh, source material. Right. I well, can like. Hmm? I was gonna say like three three points. Okay, uh, one, I do agree that the way they handled the dwarves was better, but also if I feel like they could have just you know added more stakes by killing some dwarves, but again. <laughs> That would yeah, children. Yeah. Not a children. That would have been so great. You can't, it would have made if they had even killed a couple. Of, it would have made more sense, right? Um, two. This movie one hundred percent reeks of studio interference. Uh, interference, like hundred percent reeks. So you can tell that if if this was Del Toro's idea of how I want to do the Hobbit, um, I don't know if it would be better. I don't know if it would be worse. I mean, I do like Del Toro as a director. I like what he's produced. I wasn't a huge fan of Pacific Rim, but that's a whole different thing. Um, I, 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 would, I wouldn't mind seeing what Del Toro would have brought to this. I movie. wouldn't mind either. Yeah, it's just, yeah, like, it's just not in the cards, unfortunately. And like, and like three, three, like this, this movie without, like on its own, like without being compared, without worrying about like studio interference, without worrying about like the the world of the Lord of the Rings. And and the same reason that I think I like it, Monty, is the same reason that you like it, is because they kind of directed themselves to talk about sub-stories and subcultures in Lord of the Rings without talking about subcultures and stories in Lord of the Rings. So like as much as I, I don't want to compare to DV, uh, to D&D, even though Gandalf does call him a halfling at one point, which is weird. Um, they call like, him that in the Lord of the Rings as well. Mm -hmm. yeah, yeah, but like the, after the whole copyright thing and battles in the oh, 90s true. and the whole nine yards. Um, like you can't do a D&D &D campaign and introduce a race of a, a, a new class without having some sort of motivation and background within how those classes act, right? So yeah, you brought in a halfling or you brought in a hobbit and you said, okay, well, he's now going up against an orc. What's he gonna do? Well, he's gonna try and, and roll deception or whatever he can to try and get that conversation out. Like in that world, it makes sense. It makes sense to have dwarves play, play this role. It was almost like they said, here's an entire fictional world of dwarves so that I can guarantee you Del Toro probably made and said, hey, Jackson, look at this giant book I made about a whole culture of dwarves. Isn't it cool? I researched the Cermillion. I researched all this stuff. I know what I'm doing. Oh, I'm leaving? 
all right, bye, my book's on the table. And Jackson was like, crap, I, I remember what he did. I don't want to directly take what he did, but I'm going to have elements of that in his story because that is something as a director that Del Toro is known for, building incredibly dense and, and deep subcultures of creatures in his movies to the point where you're just like, did you really need to do that much? And he's like, yeah, probably not, but it did it anyways. So like that was clearly a, a remnant of what Del Toro had left behind. I don't agree, but that's only you don't, because you don't I think know. Del Toro I don't know. Uh, only because I know Philip. You yeah, it's, it's speculation. Well, I mean, like, because speculation. like Philip Aboyans is like one of the foremost leading experts of Tolkien lore in the world, and she is the main writer of this of this. So if anyone no, would have been, I don't mean like I don't mean like writing. That. I don't mean like writing. Oh yeah, I mean like yeah. I you mean, mean like, like the sensibility. His, yeah, the sensibility of being like of of you know that person knowing all the stuff about dwarves. I can see yeah. Del Toro being like, well, let's tap that knowledge. Let's write about dwarves. Oh, you know that like, it wasn't I think he would have done the same thing. I don't think it comes from him. Like, I think he would have done the same thing, but no, I don't I'm not, think- I'm not saying it's because he did it. I'm saying like, it's, it's, you can tell it was his influence. Like, it's not, like, I think anyone else would have done that. I think it's just the way that it was portrayed is something that is- I, Del yeah, Toro again, 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 this is me like speaking from somebody who's like watched all of the nine hours or something like that. Yeah, the nine hour blah, blah, blah. Um, I don't think that's, I mean, because I, I am the unfortunate soul who learned the names of all the, of all the set designers and shit. So I know each of them had their own ideas and I know that it probably would have come from them if nobody else. And also, um, the other thing that really fascinated me is, um, yeah, like the ped like the reason Jackson, regardless of like how people see his films, is reg is respected in terms of like Tolkien in general, is because he pulls from the source. So the people, the two art directors of this film, art directors, artists, whatever, um, they were both um, classic Lord of the Rings artists. So from the original, or at least like some of the earlier reprints of Lord of the Rings, you know, the art that like, when you think of Lord of the Rings, you think of the pencil sketches of these, of these people, like, you, you know, you have like in your mind, a vague notion of like these pencil sketches from early Lord of the Rings printings, both those men, uh, what's were their names, Alan and, oh God, I'm bad, but yeah, essentially worked on this film they were the art directors of this film because, and they also like tapped the foremost Tolkien language expert in the world, or at least one of them to give them the languages of elves and dwarves and everyone. So it's so in, like, it's, um, I don't know. I don't know what the point I'm trying to make is. I, I'm just trying to say that it's such a labor of love for what was essentially a, a high budget disaster um, and I get like, I get so weird, like I could talk about this subject for maybe like uh, 10 hours straight in the same way that they were able to talk about the subject for 10 hours straight in both the movie and behind the scenes and bullshit like that. Um, I, don't, I don't think it was a disaster. I don't doubt, I don't doubt the love that went behind this film. And I don't doubt that studio interference really messed it up. But the fact is that this is the movie we got and this is the movie we get to review. We can we can explain a lot of those things, but in the end, yeah. this is the only product that we have, and this is the only thing we yeah. can I have do, an I opinion do wanna, on. I do want to. I do want to. Watching Mortal Engines. 
Yeah, <laughs> that's true. I do. I do want to like. That's why I want to like reiterate, reiterate my. Um, I want to reiterate my disclaimer at the beginning. I cannot review this movie objectively. Like it, you guys can talk about like what you what your your thoughts about this movie, and it would be correct. I can't review this movie objectively because I've got the fucking Tree of Gondors tattooed to my back because of The Hobbit. I had you know you know what a debut is or sorry debut is it is a thing it's like a sweet 16 but for filipinos and it's like it happened when you're 18 you have a fancy party it's like bullshit it's just an excuse to have a big party and originally i was like i'm not gonna have a debut i'm just gonna use that money for like whatever bullshit i want like because it's 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 tradition and then lord of the and then hobbit comes out and i'm like i want a fantasy themed debut (laughs) and there are still photos from when i turned 18 and i was cosplaying lord of the rings bullshit and yeah it's it is a, it is, um, gosh, it's yeah. like, yeah, it's like how Star Wars is for other people. I don't, um, I, when I talk about Star Wars, it doesn't affect me as deeply as other people. Whereas when it comes to Lord of the Rings and Tolkien and The Hobbit and bullshit like that, it's. Well, I think uh, that's the thing with film in general, like, like a deal is hundred percent right for not liking the movie. He has his reasons. You're hundred yeah. percent right for loving it. You have your reasons. Like, I, I don't think like we're, we're, we're discussing it based on sharing our own personal experiences. That's, that's how I, I feel. I don't think it's like there's any one right answer or whatnot. For me, the only reason why I was saying like, I don't really understand the, the, the mass hate for the film is because mm-hmm. I feel that the story is still structured properly. Like it is, like, don't get me wrong. There are parts in this movie that should be removed. The Rivendell scene is needlessly extended. There are, there's even in the theatrical cut, there's about five extra, too many minutes of plate throwing. Like I get it, but like the film is structured in a way that I understand where the story is going. It is laid out that yes, there's, there's the dwarves have been removed from their land. They explain why the King was, you know, a little like, Oh, he, he became too obsessed with gold. The it, it, word got out. The dragon wanted it came, blew up the village that was next to it, drove the dwarves from their homeland. The elves are um, not really helping because they don't want to get involved. Like, I get that. And so, like, it, it's explained. And so the motivation for everyone doing this is is fine to me. Like, like the, the movie doesn't deviate from that. Like, usually when we talk about bad movies, it's because there's either, there's either forced, contrived ways of getting the characters from point A to point B, or the movie doesn't, isn't true to its characters, or the movie doesn't, doesn't, doesn't present everything in a cohesive story. It, it, it deviates. I didn't feel that with this movie. Um, I felt that it was focused. It was fun. I do feel like it was hampered by the fact that Lord of the Rings came before this. And I do feel if this movie came before it, there would have been a lot of uh, freedom to not have the same tonal consistency as, as Lord of the Rings, especially with, with the subject matter. But I, I don't know. I just, I just don't feel like, like the film is bad. Like, you know, I feel like it's, it's well done. It's well told. There are flaws, but I feel because Lord of the Rings is so good, it, the, the the fact that it's not as good the extreme reaction is like it's crap when it's not yeah I it 100%. is definitely better than a lot of that's like, just me that's just me movies. i 100 agree with you it's and and that's the thing it's it's always going to be steeped in the roots of its predecessors either novel video game trail original trilogy it's going to be compared uh i mean also uh, uh, before I, I have other points, but I have a, a couple. Well, quick question, Adil, did you say you liked Mortal Engines? Yes. Well, no, I didn't. I don't like Mortal Engines. I like it more than this. 
Okay, we're going to come back to that's that. Upsetting. That's upsetting. That's a deal. <laughs> a deal. Wait, a deal. Um, you know how we're friends? A deal, you know how we're friends? Wow. You guys are going to unfriend a guy for nothing. Uh, you know how we're friends? We're just like, uh, like um, five, minutes, five minutes earlier, Ed goes on like, um, you know, you can like whatever you want. You, you, can, you can do all that. No, no, it's no, always not, everything. Like, I deal, you don't like no, Mortal Engines, you're no. canceled. No, no, I'm, not, I'm, not, I'm not saying you're wrong. I, I'm just saying that you are incredibly misled by your own opinion of movies. No, no, that's no, no, no. Wow, that is the nicest way of saying wrong. he's wrong. Leon, that's <laughs> wrong. Don't say that, Leon. That's wow. unfair. No, no. Listen, we listen. Will, we will come back kindly. to Mortal Engines. More kindly, Adil. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> okay. We'll, we'll come, we'll come <laughs> back to this morning. We're no longer friends. Um, I'm firing you from this the is podcast. Me. This it's should be like the, the tagline of the episode. <laughs> The, the one where a deal gets canceled. Yeah. A deal? <laughs> if, if Goodbye. If there's anyone out there, um, I believe a uh, position in plot mechanics yeah, is opening yeah, up. So yeah, I'm also fired from my night, just so you know. You need we to will. be Mauritian. We will, uh, yeah. <laughs> we will we come, to, back, we oh will come back to the Mortal Engines question in a few months when I am, can actually process the okay, fact that you um, said that. Okay, this is based on my one... A single watch of Mortal Engines when it came out. Um, maybe when I watch it again, I won't I'm feel the same. But okay, I'll tell I'll tell you I, why. Okay, we'll, I we'll come back to Mortal Engines. Yeah, no, no, no. I'm not going to talk about Mortal Engines. I'm going to tell you uh, the things that I don't like about the film. And mm -hmm. you guys have been defending the dwarf gonna, so much that I feel bad saying this. I'm going to mute myself. That they're useless. Okay, okay, because you're going to be yelling. Also gonna, right, go I'm ahead, also gonna take Adele. off my earphones. <laughs> <laughs> go ahead, Adele. Okay, hey guys, let the dwarves. Speak. Yeah, the the dwarves. The, let the cancelled guy speak. Uh, okay, I don't like the dwarves in the movie because they are very interchangeable. Even though they don't look the same, like at the end of the film, even at the end of the third one, I couldn't tell who's who. I can't even tell Philly, who which one is Philly and which one's Keely. And uh, I remember at the end of this film, the first one, when they are hanging. And they're about to die and they're hanging from the tree and then they slip and then they catch and everything. Because I'm like, I'm sorry, who are you? And and I did just didn't care if they died or not. Um, there's a lot of things that they try to do to like differentiate them. Like one of them has a hearing device, which never really pays off. Like I, I don't like it's like it's like a setup that never pays off. It's like it would be interesting if at some point he lost it and and then it became like a, a problem, but no, even it like a joke or something. Just because he's deaf, just let it go. No, but still, why do you have something like that? Like it's like it's like Chekhov's gun. You have that thing, but you don't use it. No, not I with mean, disabilities. Okay, you know? Okay, wait, wait, okay. Let's, <laughs> no, let's, why let's, not? In a film? Okay. <laughs> well, why do you why do you give that dwarf a disability when he? You know, why do you? create I, those things one has a, an axe embedded in his head which I, I did not realize until i watched the third film when it came off and they said where's your axe i'm like you had an axe i thought that was just like your hair tied in a weird way but but I, it's i, I agree with well, you let me finish with this one thing let me finish with this one thing so i'm like why wasn't there a moment in the film when they just address that like you have an axe what's the story behind that just use that to give the guy some personality because you have you know nothing about the guy or, and most of them, apart from Balin, Billy, or Killy. Well, Killy. Yeah. Which one's Buffer? 
Bofor is the one who was friends with Bilbo. He was the funny oh, one. Oh, is he, is he, is he the, like, the one with the hat? With the hat, yes. The one with the hat. And in the first one, he got, he got stuff to do. And then after that, he's completely forgotten. Yeah, but at but, least you knew who he was. And yeah, of course, Bomber's the fat one. Right. That, yeah. You know what? Let's just say Bomber's the fat I will, one. I will come back. Like, growing because he's Gimli's father. Yeah. See, back. now you but can that's so because that's I know the thing, Lord of the Rings. There you go. Okay. Like, so you've just named a bunch of different characters. No, I can tell you. In, I can give you all the, the names of all, all the dwarves because yeah. I know them from the book. Yeah, but in The Hobbit, the book, you could not tell me anything about any of them except that Dory's yeah. strong. Philly and Keely are twins, are not twins, they're brothers and they're you also. You don't need to know them in the book yeah, because but that's, the book is a children's tale. Right now. But that's what you're saying right now. It's like what you're taking as Chekhov's gun is just, is just yeah. um, what do you call it? Like. Hold on. Visual Hold it, it all kind of depends on the kind of line. movie that this that would be. Line. If it was like a fairy tale, if it was like a children's tale or a, or a fable, I would excuse a lot of things that happen in this Hold movie. On. Like Hold the on. songs when they're tossing the dishes and everything. Yeah, but that, completely, the songs you are can't in have the that in the same movie where you Hold have decapitations and violence, that kind of thing. Hold it's completely, it's a different tone. Hold on. Go on. Calm down a second. Okay. Just take a second. Breathe. Okay. Couple of things. One, this is a children's tale, okay? It's not. No, it's not told as a children's it is, tale. It is, this, this movie, this movie is 100% <laughs> meant for 11 and 12-year-olds. No, it's 100%. got decapitations. It's got all kinds of stuff. It's, it's super. So like it's, I've seen cartoons with decapitations. Not like this. It's graphic. It's, 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 I'm sorry. It, did you not watch? It gives itself. It takes itself way too seriously for I'm it. Sorry. I'm sorry. I watched old, Batman so. the Animated Series growing up, and Clayface did some messed up shit. I don't like, get It's not shot it's, the same way. It's, it's not filmed the same way. It it's a different kind of film. This is told. No. This is Lord of the Rings is not a children's book. It's not a children's movie. I'm saying The Hobbit. This version of The Hobbit is a children's book meant for children born after 1998 or whatever. This movie is a children's book, but not for how we see ourselves as children. No, no, what, no, no, what, no. What, what we, what, this what we, is how we were fed children's stuff when we were younger is different than how children. It doesn't matter. Here, here's the thing: Is the Lord of the Rings a children's movie? Lord of the Rings? Yes. No. Okay, but this movie is filmed like the Lord of the Rings. It's a no, children's it's tale. I completely it's yes, it is. It's not. It's, it's filmed not. very differently. Honestly. It's filmed very differently. This from, is kind of where no, I no. There are scenes I where it, it doesn't. This movie, you guys, you guys, baby children, trilogy. yo, they no, shouldn't be the so Hobbit soft. No, I'm not saying it's a bad thing. <laughs> Adil's saying it's a bad thing. I'm saying that the Hobbit trilogy, the movie takes a children's book and turns it into something made for like teenagers and adults. Yeah. Yes, there's decapitations in this movie. It's a, it's a violent movie. It's right. A I, I agree with that. I agree with you. Aspects, the comedic aspects of this movie, though, maybe they're made for children, but they can exactly. also be playful yeah. to it. it they're, they're, they're given good comedic value in this movie. The, I, but like, like the, the, in the Desolation of Smog with the, with the thing where the barrel hits the one orc and then it just does the domino <laughs> effect. That is really, like, yeah, it's childish, but like adults can get a kick out of that. If you've ever watched Peter Jackson's other movies, like Dead Alive or Meet the People. It's kind of a Yeah, Peter Jackson. Imagine like, oh, that in the Lord of the Rings. This, this movie, this movie. Is yeah, like Lord Surf's on a shield. It movie, is Lord of the Rings. No, this but it's not shot is, like that. This movie is 100% meant for like 
grade seven, grade six, grade seven, grade eight, that middle school. So these are, like, you still, these are teenagers, so not children, no, by the deal, way. A deal, Dude, a deal. I'm 11 year, this uh, means you know I was 11 years old. This was, that's not a deal, that's gonna, a deal. You know, a deal, I'm not even going to argue about 11 the age is not a stuff. teenager. There's no teen gonna, in 11. Okay, I'm not going to argue about but the age range. That's the first part. I don't really mind or care. Wait, wait, I just want to say, I'm not going to argue about the like the age rating stuff. That's something that I honestly, like, I don't have an opinion on it. Some people say it's 11 plus, some people say it's R13, which is what, what it got in certain areas. I don't really care because whatever. But the thing is, when you when you say that the shit with the barrel in, in Desolation of Smog did not happen, and the, in the same movie, when, when Legolas surfs on a fucking um, shield down no, shooting, that, shooting I mean, he slides on like, a shield, that that's not the same thing. It's not the same thing as a dwarf from a barrel jumping and then rolling and pulling everything. There's that's no... only the first thing. That's only the first thing I would have said. First of all, I think this movie is meant for children who are like 11, 12, 13, where it's still, you have childish capabilities, but you can still handle the decapitation. That's all I want to say. Two, it's, the, the decapitation is, is one he example. Had, he was deaf. And you're just like, why wasn't that used as a checkoff gun? Sorry. That idea is ridiculous in this day and age, especially in 2021, because you have to be able to say that like, look, if this guy is deaf, there is no... <laughs> Use his hearing disability as oh a plot device. You can't. Do why it not? Because it's ethically messed up. Because there why? Are I'm sorry. Have... Why is it messed up to say that a deaf guy is deaf? No, it's no, not it's messed like up to say it, it, for a reason that he's deaf. You you know that he's deaf. Why did they make him deaf? Because he's old. I feel he's old. Balin is older. Yeah, but, but not like, all old people are deaf, but so many old people exactly. lose their so hearing over that, time. So why, that's the normal that's thing why? that happens no, to people. Because we are in 2021, right? If you literally <laughs> are like, look, that person is deaf, the only thing they're good for in the telling of the story is a plot device? Is messed up. Just I'm saying that it's oh, it's a useless no addition to that thing. It's a no, it's a lazy way to do something. It's character. What additions. character? Are you, well, your character is deaf. Yeah, okay. that, that, no, that's character, character building. How does the character I can, trait is deaf? Okay, let me let me give you some. Twenty twenty one. How do you not see a problem with being like I recognize that person is deaf? Now, if you don't use that deafness to serve the plot, then you, sir, are redundant. Like, that's right. You're saying that it's not. You're saying that it's it's wrong to to use it like that. They they try to use it all the time. They do all kinds of stuff yeah, with, but with the thing. He puts no, stuff so in it. Yeah, so yeah, here's you know, the, so, you know, so, so problem. His 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 person his his development or his purpose as a character is not defined by a, a fact that he is deaf. All right, explain All the axe then. Are actively, are the axe, he's disabled. He got injured in battle and he's right. disabled. I mean, <laughs> so not, disabled. When is he disabled saying, in the movie? I'm not, he saying is. That it's, I'm not saying that it's representation. I'm not, I'm, I'm not saying that it's just like, you need to have a deaf character and don't utilize that as a plot device. But I'm saying that they literally designed these characters. They said, hey, this one is deaf, has a hearing disability, cool. And then because the character had that at some point in their life, there was no necessity to use that in the storytelling. Your character is deaf. Is he a dwarf? Sure. Can he fight things? Sure. Is he annoying? Sure. Does he eat too much? Sure. But there's no reason to be like, also he's deaf, so make that a plot device. Like you can't. Well, but he's not. He's not. He's not deaf in the books, for for example. So they made that up for the movie. But that's yeah. The point. For, that's the point. Just because why? Why do you make make a character deaf? If you're not going to use it. 
you're hearing this, right? You're hearing yourself? You're hearing yeah. yourself right now? You're, everyone else is hearing this and just sitting there and enjoying the conversation? I'm really, <laughs> I'm like, I, yeah. Why would you deal, make a character deaf in, in your this particular instance? Exactly. No, Adil, in general, I agree with you on many things, but in this particular instance, it feels wrong to say that why make somebody deaf? All right, no I disagree with that, that one, but that, that's the problem with most of them. One is, well, them is supposed to be the banker. I don't know which one. One of them is supposed to be the him. banker. It's the deaf one. Okay, sure. Let's say the deaf one is the banker. You never see him handling the money. Yes, he does. A deal, he does. No, when? When they find the treasure trove. I remember these details. Is it treasure trove? Yeah, yeah when they yeah. got the swords, and remember? The sword, and that's what the whole thing where he said to Frodo being like, oh, I have the chest, but it still swells like, like troll. Like, anyway, I'm not, Every time I'm they not should saying, talk about money, he should be the one involved, but he's no, not. No, because I'm not saying that, like, look, I agree with you saying the dwarves are useless. Like, they are effectively useless as characters in this film. I'm not disagreeing with that. But to utilize... Glowing is the money man. Glowing is the healer. So you didn't know. No, I did know. I got them confused because they're brothers. I get They're not brothers. One of them is the deaf one and the other one is the... Glowing and Glowing are brothers. Oh, that one's Glowing? I agree with you by saying that the dwarves are effectively useless characters in how they are utilized in the film. I'm not disagreeing with that. But... If you were literally like, these characters are useless, how do we make them less useless? Find someone with a disability and use it as a plot device. Then that, then that is no, I'm not saying it like that. What I'm saying is that if you're gonna if you're gonna write something about a character, you should okay. emphasize oh, okay. on it at some point. Uh, Adil, they did emphasize oh. that he was the one. Okay, this is really stupid. And you, when you hear this, you're gonna hate it. But it's actually in the movie, oh so God. let me just bring it up. Okay, wait, Adil. His name is Oyen, right? His name is Oyen, right? Sure. He's deaf, right? I okay, don't, that yeah, has I to do. That has, no, that has nothing to do with anything. But in the movie, there's an actual line in which he says, I call them my ointments. And then he gives people ointments. And it's really stupid. But it yeah, is like what that, establishes him works. as the guy who has okay, the ointments. Okay, there's a throwaway line saying, which I'm nobody saying, remembers. I'm yeah, no, saying, but that's the thing, isn't it? It's in the movie. So, I'm just saying, so. No, I'm just saying a physical characteristic of any character, whether it be a hearing device, whether it be a skin tone, whether it be an amputation or whatever, should not be used as a plot device. Why not? Because it's, it's it a- If you had a character that was blind. Yeah. yeah. You it wouldn't use it? Magical. Would I use <laughs> him being blind? Be or would I write the story as if a blind person is in it? There's a, there's a different use for it. Yeah. Like, I think if, we should probably like if move Daredevil, away from this. If cause... Daredevil is blind, right? Oh, no, no, okay, let's not get into that. No, All no, right, no, I'm so. Just, I'm just saying, I'm just saying that like you, if, if, from, from someone who enjoys character design, and then you have to like write or design your characters based on things about them, right? So you have to have something unique. If they're, you know, if if they have a scar through their eye or whatever, it determines how they are evil or whatever. You, you, you design these characters based on their personality traits, fine. But if you, as if, if they were as a director to be like, this guy is deaf, many people in the real world are deaf. How are we actively going to use his deafness as either a comedy gag or a plot device? In terms of deaf people watching this film, they're just, they, they would actively be like, what the hell? Why would you even bother making him deaf? Like, 
just because you have a hearing disability doesn't negate your useless usefulness as a character. Are all the dwarves useless? Sure. I agree with you with that part. They don't need to be in this movie. You could have killed a bunch of them and I wouldn't even have known the difference. But it would make it 10 times worse if they gave a dwarf a hearing device, used it as a plot device, and then actively still said they don't matter is way worse than just I'm... like... He, that's the that's who he is. Deal with it. He has a whole history. I think that what I'm saying is this. Doesn't explain. That's what I'm right. saying is this. You have you. They've put all this stuff into those characters' backstory, mm -hmm. and they don't u utilize them in the movie. Yeah. For example, the dev guy. It. Okay, I'll give you an example for the <laughs> dev guy. At some point, he loses his hearing device, and mm -hmm. he, that becomes a real handicap for him. That makes him more susceptible to be in danger of people sneaking behind him, sneaking up behind him, stuff like that. Yeah. Simple stuff like that. The the one with the axe. He could have a moment where he explains, you know, I, this comes from a battle and that, that happened to me and I've never speak. been able to take... He was incapable of speaking. He signed What? There's one the who time. can't speak in that he movie? He signed all the time. Yeah. I don't See, know why you didn't I'm notice saying, that he was doing Because signs. they're so boring, I didn't care. That's yeah, the but point. it was there. The point is... They, You're saying it's not is, there. No, it no, 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 no. I'm sorry. This is, this is not good. No, this is the one movie where I can actively say that representation was done well. Because they what? weren't... Yeah. <laughs> they're all they, white. Oh, no, not colored representation, not like disability representation. Because at the end of the day... Like, they're all these... white and supposedly Jewish because they no. all have their, this place they've That's... lost and they want to go no, back to I, it I'm and not, displace I'm everybody saying, who's already there. I'm not saying skin color representation. I'm just saying that you literally gave a bunch of characters disabilities and then we're just like, that's who they are. Cool. And at no and they point did their disabilities back. have any effect on the overall story. That, for all we know, that dwarf was born deaf and just got a hearing device and then just taped it to his head and never deal with it again. Like we, this movie essentially said, we have the ability to capitalize on a disability in a film and we're actively choosing not to. Is one of them deaf and signs all the time? Sure. Is it yeah. a plot device that he's gonna go to the Goblin King and they're like, speak up to one of these elves and the deaf guy and the, and the mute guy tries to sign to him? That'd be ridiculous. Because I'm not asking these... that kind of no. thing. I, I just what gave you a better difference? example. What is the difference? If you're gonna have a, a, the, the trolls or goblins or orcs or whatever sneak up on somebody and be like, yes. oh, this guy because is Because that creates tension. This is totally, that, that this is totally gives... not the argument I was imagining. I'm just saying that there are better, Anyway, there, moving there are on. I think we should probably move on just because I think I get what Adil was trying to say. I do get it. I also think that um, you chose like the worst one possible example. I don't to, know which one. Um, <laughs> I don't know. I just say one. Can I just say one thing about yes, the dog? So when I was watching this film at some point, it started to make me uh, think of Israel because of, um, especially yeah. when Bilbo says, uh to the one with the hat he tells him that well Ball you guys bird. don't have yeah you you guys are used to stealing and and hiding and everything it reminded me of hans landa in inglorious bastards with the way he talked about use <laughs> and oh i felt gosh. like and this whole thing and then there there are some of them who have big i don't think i don't they think like they money. ever mentioned stealing in i don't think the dwarves have ever like stolen anything in these movies okay but yeah I they, they say, don't um, and and it, which is funny because the guy is the burglar I will say something meta that's very interesting to me. Um, so being in the Hobbit fandom for so many years, 
Uh, I've met more. This is the dumb thing, but also it's true. It's weirdly true. Um, a large portion of the fandom that I befriended, like over the years, that are still my friends to this day, are Jewish. <laughs> and the and yeah. So the so the thing is, a lot of the people who I was like running around in fandom with, um, who were drawing and writing and whatever, like all that stuff, and like we were talking about it. They were talking about how they identified with the dwarves, not because. Like, obviously, like, there is, like, the whole thing where it's, like, it might have been a Jewish stereotype and that's not great and everything and, like, all the other things that could be, like, related to real life in Tolkien's works and everything. But the fact that they had this, these characters um, who were Jewish coded, let's say that they were Jewish coded regardless of, like, whether or not the intention was there. Um, and like I talked to a, a lot of different like Jewish fans who were just like I love them because I identify with them. They were sympathetic, interesting um, uh, characters, and the main like the hero, like the hero of the story. One of the three heroes, obviously, it's like Bilbo, Gandalf, and Thorin. Thorin being like this interest, like this this nuanced, like sad, tragic, but still noble character. I it's there's a lot of like. Um, there's a lot of like world building in here again like it's kind of similar to star wars especially like the prequels in which i love the world building it's not always included in the film i will say that like you're right adila a lot of it's not included in the film but there are things where you mention it and i'm like it wasn't the film no, but that's that's cherry picking it doesn't matter like the i will say that the, there is a lot of like elements in this film in the film and behind the scenes of the film that were that were given a lot of thought and in the in this in the case of the dwarves, originally they didn't have any personalities, and the fact that they went through all the trouble of like, and they do like it doesn't always shine in the movie, and I will give you that like it's not always in the movie, and I, I all the things I know about the dwarves, it's from the behind the like it's from the movie, but it's also from behind the scenes, it's also from like whatever like the their companion guides and all that stuff. So understandably, just from the movie itself, there's a lot lacking. And that's fair. Like there's, la it's especially in the dwarves' side. But on my end, the reason I love the dwarves so much is because what I know of the dwarves from the content that was uh, was presented to me outside of the films. And again, going back to the fact that I can't judge this film objectively because I'm not only judging the film. But each dwarf is unique. Each dwarf has oh, and actors that love being that dwarf. They would tell you everything they know about dwarves. And it was built into their costumes. It was built into their the small moments where they get to talk, where they get to interact with each other. If you like, go into the film and look at all every single thing that they've ever done, it is always, and you know like what their character is meant to be. Every single thing that they do is in like is in service to the character that they're meant to be even if it's something that not everyone will notice like oin having ointments is stupid but he's the medic of the group therefore he will always have ointments he's named this shit after himself because he's the medic there is gloin who when they went to the treasure hoard he's the money man they mentioned it a couple of times they you know and when they go into the treasure hoard he's the one who's like inspecting all the treasure uh bomber is bomber's the fat one Let's not pretend it's anything other than Bomber's the fat one. We know that. We see it. Whatever. Um, but they do have like a f lot of just fun little little like bits where they say Bomber has the most kids because he's the sexiest dwarf apparently. <laughs> and that's like, yeah, that is a thing that they mention in the story as a passing joke. But it's still like an interesting thing that goes beyond like what you see of of, um, of Bomber. And it's 
every like little thing that they do um buffer is interesting because he like he he's the one who apart from thorin sings he's the one who starts the song he's very musical he has a set of pipes that you get to see him use sometimes it's it's so difficult because these are elements that again it's difficult to kind of get it into the story because there are three main characters and it's not and the story itself does not service get like the dwarves so, themselves so as what characters. you're saying is that they're showing us character development as opposed to telling us That's character kinda, development kinda, like yeah. this is That's kind of what i'm saying this is what i'm That's... saying about this movie is that is that every, almost every, pretty much every scene in this movie focuses on one of the three characters that i outlined it's either about gandalf it's either about thorin or it's about uh bilbo everyone else like doesn't really matter they're characters within the overall scene within the overall scene but we're not told much about their arcs we're not told much about anything so therefore it doesn't matter towards the story visually sure i i didn't pick up on any of that that so thank you Matsi, for pointing that out i didn't pick up on any of it but that's what i'm saying like as a story as a movie as a narrative it's focused as far as i'm concerned it's focused because it's focused on three characters and each of those three, maybe their their arcs don't get fully resolved by the end of the film, but there's also two other movies that we have to go through. Just because a character I'm... is is irrelevant is is redundant doesn't mean he is irrelevant. So like, just because it, Ed's right, the story focused so much on the three main characters, that doesn't mean that the characters who were there didn't have entire stories that just weren't told. So you're right, he had a hearing device and he had hearing issues, but the movie's just like, well, we if you look deep enough, if you really pay attention, you can see all of these things. You can see the accountant going through the gold. You can see the fat dwarf like smiling at another dwarf when he walks through. You can see the guy, only guy starting the songs. You can actively see all of those things happening in the movie, but in the in the overall fact that Bilbo is writing this book, he does not care about their extra lives. So we're watching this movie cool. being like, it doesn't work for the narrative of the movie. I'm like, like but then- like, You know what doesn't work with the narrative of the movie? The whole Dolgor Dwarf thing. Because mm -hmm. if Bilbo knew about that and he had the ring still telling the story, yeah, but that it, was like, makes, but again, that, like, comes into, that comes into yeah, the... Yeah, it does. And that's fine. You can make someone a jerk. But he's not. Oh, my God. No, <laughs> are you talking about the scene where he sees the, 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 the drawing of Sauron with the ring? Is that the he one you're talking about? No, no, no. no, when, no when, Dumbledore is second movie, isn't the it? The whole uh, Gandalf story. The whole thing. Yeah. yeah. Which is, which Every is single scene of it, including Radagast, uh, Radagast yeah. Binks yeah, and everything in it. Is a, um, that is a, that is what, what Tolkien himself added after the fact of The Hobbit. Yes, and it's not, it's place, it, it's a story that maybe should be told, but not in this movie. That's yeah, fine. but That's at guys, the same time, it is it like meant to be a to prequel the to The Lord of the Rings. So well, again, we go back to the fact movie, that- which, which was the plan initially. Which is the plan, yeah. yeah. Fair. But I mean, like, the whole point is that... I think I'm tired Ed, of deal out. Is, I think we're Ed, all tired right. of deal out. I'm sorry. Ed, I am baffled by a lot of the you guys are defending this film. I gotta say. Look, Ed is right. The story focuses on the three main characters. But whoever was working on this story and had the lore and history of Lord of the Rings and dwarven culture, and they're just like, yeah, these dwarves don't matter. That person 
probably Fran is sitting there being like, they don't matter, but you know, goddamn well, I'm putting a whole backstory behind him and I'm putting all this stuff in and I'm telling the actors to do all these things. And the director could be like, you know, that doesn't matter, right? And she's like, I don't care. This guy, he, he is 150 years old. He had a hearing aid. He injured himself and walks with a limp. And then he also has a kid named this, this, and this, and this happened, and this happened, and this happened. And they're like, he's going to be on screen for 30 seconds. She's like, I don't care. You cannot tell someone who has almost the equivalent of a PhD in dwarven culture and then say, write a dwarf, that they're not going to go and deep dive into this person's technology, whether we as an audience member see it or not. It's no different than watching The Good Place and all of the books that Chidi's given written about Kierkegaard raps and crap is literally 15 pages of the people writing those things because they, they didn't have to. No one watching the show saw it. No one has to care about it. Was it there? Absolutely. You That's that is like the amount of love that you can see in this series that may have been squashed out because of studio interference or directors bouncing back and forth or actors leaving and coming and all these different things. That love is not redundant when you watch this movie. You can actively see it in this movie. Nobody's questioning that. I'm, I'm not saying that they didn't put effort into it and I'm not saying that there was no love behind the work. No, no, no. I, what, I'm saying, what I'm saying is that the director and the producers and the movie studios made choices. But the other 99% of the people that were working on this film made choices that they knew 100% would not make it into the theatrical cut or the a director's cut, but they still decided to say, hey, you're this dwarf, you're going to have 15 kids. They're like, does that ever come up? No. Was it in the books? No. Then why? Because I felt like writing a very good dwarf. Like, that's it. So when I watch this movie, all of the pieces, all of the pieces of this movie are, it's, this is a movie that's better told between the lines. And I think that's something that Motsi, 100%, you have to appreciate. Like, this movie is better between the lines of what you're given. Because when you go into a deep dive, you're like, oh my God, this is amazing. But of watching nine hours of extra cuts because you're just like, of interviews and cuts and talking because everything that's not in this movie is better than the movie. This movie is not a sum of its parts. Like, I think, I think for me, the dwarves didn't bother me. Um, yeah. <laughs> like, but the thing is, like, if if they if if a couple of them were removed, yeah, it would have been fine. I also, but I also don't think that if if it were just Gandalf, Bilbo, and and Thorin going to the mountain, no, uh, to reclaim that it would have the same impact. You have to have like those the, the you have, army. You need if, to have the company. Yes, I, I I also think that this movie would have been far worse if they tried to give the dwarves any more story because then you're jumbling too yeah. many characters. I agree with that. I no, I disagree with that but, because I think, yes, it would in the current format of the story, but I think what they should, they put emphasis on stuff that they shouldn't have at the expense of stuff that they should. Yeah, and I'm not disagreeing with that. I yeah, do that's think fair. that that's is- studio interference. Yeah, yeah. There, there, there's significant issues with that, yeah. with that in this film. Whoever's responsible, I'm just, I'm just saying this is what we got. I think that um, <laughs> a deal on, I think the question lies in this. Um, the decisions that they made were forced upon them. I mean, not all. Yeah, again, of them, I agree with all that. Yeah. No, I, I get what you mean. It's just that the things you mention as flaws for the movie, 
Um, like, so what would you, what decision would you have made? So I think we'll like kind of seg segue into what a deal would have done, but then I will start like shooting back with, okay, so what if the Tolkien fans got angry? What if um, the people who like Lord of the Rings got angry? What if the producers didn't like it? What, you know, like, so they, oh, this movie was, so this movie, <laughs> no, I don't think you do because this movie was a, this movie gave, yeah, this movie gave Peter Jackson an ulcer and he went to the hospital because of the amount of work he had to do on this movie. This so, movie ruined labor laws for actors in New Zealand. Yeah, yeah, because yeah, they had to do night. Yeah, they had to do night and day shooting. Like, yeah, they did the twenty-four hour sh day shooting to make the deadlines for two and three. If yeah, I you don't correctly. do that unless you yeah. love film. Exactly. No, it's not just that they were forced to do. So these were decisions made under pressure. These were decisions made under like extreme circumstances. These were decisions that they had to make in about like in about like less than like less than even like a. They had years to work on Lord of the Rings, and they had basically a year I to agree. do all that work in, on The Hobbit. And I think, like, the decisions that you would have made could not have been, like... Oh, the movie that I would have wanted to make would not have been made because right. studios would not exactly. allow me. I do have to leave. I do have to leave. So, so Adil. So, yeah, okay. I think, I think we'll do final... Let's do, yeah, let's do final thoughts and then Adil, let's, let's do like what a deal would have done differently okay okay i just okay. want to say Wait, one thing let's do deals first because i have final thoughts that may take up until like the end of this episode okay i'm gonna say right, go, my go final thought now and then i'm done and then i'm done okay. so so i actually agree with all the flaws that a deal pointed out like there these are flaws in the film there are problems with this movie my thing is i don't think they're big enough to say that this film is like complete crap and just write it off i think that the good vastly outweighs the bad I think that when we talk about the problems that Peter Jackson and the crew had to face in making this movie, yes, we can talk about it in context, but at the same point, the, the film that we got at the end, we have to judge that. Because like we talked about last week with Street Fighter, that movie had tons of production problems, but we don't give the film like any pass on that. And I don't think that we should give this film any pass for the things that it does wrong, which I do believe it's way too long. Um, there are way too many characters that, that do not need to be in the film. I think the film does deviate from, even from the source material, there are Tolkien fans that hate this movie because of what it does to the source material. But I think for me, this is a fun movie. It's true to the spirit of the, of the previous trilogy. Uh, the characters are great. Like the ones that we identify with are, are great. I think the film is very focused in the way it's trying to juggle all the elements. It focuses on three main arcs. And for me, I think that this is a, a good film that leads into two other films that have the same problems, but I think are still on the same level of, of quality. That's my final thought. Uh, my final thought is I co-sign all of that because it makes sense. This movie has flaws, but that doesn't break it from what it is. And this is coming from someone who watches superhero films and understanding what it means for a studio to be like, this is a billion dollar decision. We're not going to make it based on what people like and or don't like. We're making it based on how much money it can return, period. And because of that, everything Ed said is right. Everything that the deal said is questionably uh, correct. Cancelable. Wow. It is questionable. Cancelable. Thanks, we'll, we'll, we will get. We will get into your 
questionable morals when we talk about uh, <laughs> morals. Okay. Yeah, we do. We yeah, do, we yeah. do lambast Leon yeah. for wanting to kick children. We will lambast you for um. Yeah, I get. I get. Someone for wanting to kick children here, just like nah. If they're deaf, use it. <laughs> <I'm just> like, <laughs> okay. 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 Adil, okay. Anyways, okay anyways, let's hear Adil's version of the Hobbit, and uh, also, and then okay, I will my, give my my thoughts. my quick final thoughts too. I love Wild Wild West, the one with Will Smith. It's a bad movie, but I Can't love be it. Friends anymore. But I, I, it's a bad movie, but I love it. So Same. what I'm saying is that whatever, the, the quality of the movie and your enjoyability of the movie doesn't have to match. It's fine. And no, I, I, there are moments in this movie that I genuinely love, uh, Martin Freeman especially. But this movie has editing issues, uh, has tone issues. And if I was writing, if I wrote something like that, people would point out, okay, this is not working, this is not working, that kind of thing. I mean... Uh, uh, I think this movie has two things that it's trying to be. It's trying to be an adaptation of The Hobbit and it's trying to be a prequel to The Lord of the Rings. You can be one, you can't be both. That's one of the big issues. The other thing is the way it was split, uh, which is obviously because of the studios, uh, which is a business decision that I understand because they could have not been able to make their money back. But... um, if uh, it had been split into two films, it probably would have been better. Like the I've never been so wrong moment with Thorin and Bilbo would have happened after Bilbo saves them from the elves, which makes a lot more sense for his arc. Um, and if I was to make the movie, and I think also is what uh, Guillermo del Toro wanted to make in a kind of way, he wanted to focus on more of the fairy tale aspect of it. But of course, if you want to do it after the Lord of the Rings, it's a little bit of a problem. So I would, my solution to that would be to have uh, Kid Frodo being told that story from Bilbo. And, he, and maybe it's just after his parents have died and Bilbo has adopted him and he doesn't know Bilbo that much. And Bilbo tells him, oh, I'm going to tell you the adventures I went on. And he tells him the story, but he tells him in the way of the Princess Bride. So you have Bilbo interrupting every once in a while, and then sometimes Frodo would comment, but that couldn't have happened like that. And then he said, oh, but it actually did. And then at the end, maybe you have a little epilogue, maybe at the end of the second film, where Frodo is grown up as Elijah Wood. And uh, maybe he talks to even older Frodo and uh, older Bilbo, and Bilbo says, "Well, all the stuff that you told me was actually true." Like, yeah, I just changed a little bit of the details, but the story in general was pretty much there. That would allow you to have all the dwarves even not develop their characters. That would allow you to have the song sometimes and stuff like that. Of course, you would not include the Dol Guldur part because that has nothing to do with the bigger story, and it would tell the whole thing, even Thorin's story, from the perspective of Bilbo which would make it a lot more personal and a lot more uh, relatable because he's the underdog. He's the guy who doesn't know anything and he's overwhelmed by his whole world. Just like Frodo would be when he's just lost his parents and just came to a new world with Bilbo. That's how I would have made the movie. I will say, okay, so my final thoughts are going to be a little too long, but I will try to wrap it up really quickly um the movie i think in my in my opinion what the movie was was a kind of again bilbo as both the protagonist and the storyteller it is that he doesn't see himself as the protagonist of his own story i don't think that's that's the thing until like near the end like nearer to the end where he's actually about to go home i don't think that because of his humble hobbit like mindset 
Um, he does crave adventure, but I don't think that at any point in the story until Thorin died, did he see himself as the hero. I think he saw Thorin as the hero. And so what we are seeing in this like story is his perspective of Thorin because a lot of essentially like what Bilbo does or what Bilbo sees is the struggle that Thorin as, ba as basically the leader and or the representation of his people um, is going through. And I think that it was a beautiful story because even, even with all the flaws, even with all the issues I had with the latter movies, um, it comes right down to the fact that Bilbo had to see this guy who he was seeing as a hero, a king, uh, you know, essentially like somebody who he could look up to fall, fall from grace. And he does come back in the end, but he dies. It's, there's something really interesting and beautiful about that in a fairy tale and in a like child's in it, like even if not a children's story, but like in a fairy tale perspective, you have, you're following the hero. You like Bilbo is both the hero, but he's also kind of a self, like not self insert. He's kind of a uh, audience projection character because he's the one who's out of, out of um, like, he's, he's not used to this. He doesn't know what's going on. And I think that was kind of the intention with Bilbo. He is like, he may not, he may have his own personality and he may not be like a perfect, um, a perfect like somebody who you can like project yourself onto, but he is a fish out of water in a situation in which t like things are happening around him that he is overwhelming him. And the one thing that he's looking to um, is, is like the heroism and what he sees as like Thorin just trying to get back home and he, he, um, he relates to that. In a lot of ways, like the, of course, like even just from a fandom perspective, I was like enjoying the relationship between Thorin and Bilbo and everything like that. But it's also like the relationship between Thorin and Bilbo from a story perspective is also very important because he is like, um, he is uh, supposed to be the hero of the story and then he isn't. And I think like the, there's a lot of nuance that again is lost in like the, all the moving parts are, in and outside of this movie. I think that a lot of, like, there are some things I will, I will always like defend Peter Jackson, even though there are some decisions that he made that I don't agree with. But overall, it's like, I think this movie is a good one, not just because I've watched it like 10,000 times, obviously Adil's watched it many times and he doesn't like it, but that's fine. It's, I think it's a solid story. I think it's a solid fantasy movie. I think it's one of the best fantasy movies that we have apart from Lord of the Rings, which is like beyond the pale. And I think that for a lot of people who are fancy heads like me, it is something that should be more appreciated. I think that people who did not give it a chance before should really look into it again, because um, there's some, there's like a deep love of fantasy that permeates throughout this entire franchise. And it is something that changed my life, essentially. Like I won't even lie, it changed my life. Dwarves are great. It's just, it's just great. You guys should watch it regardless. And especially with the upcoming like Lord of the Rings series. And I need to let everybody go because I'm holding them hostage. So I can talk about the subject for another like, nine hours. Yeah. yeah. Oh, good. Right. I, right, are you guys? Uh, but yeah, uh, time. So the last <laughs> thing I'm going to say, because we didn't touch upon it, ah. thing, and we can talk about it on the next Hobbit, but I'm going to say it in four words. High frame rate sucks. High frame rate sucks. Yes, High frame rate sucks. yes, it's stupid. It's stupid. Goodbye. Peter Jackson, why'd you do yeah. this? Like, I will defend him in every other way, except for ping 60 FPS is stupid. I yeah, hate that's it. what raised the budget and, and made the studios increase and then uh, bump it up to three films. I don't know. <laughs> that's, that's what I'm saying.
thanks for listening to this episode of Plot Mechanics. Hope you guys enjoyed that. Please subscribe, like, and review our podcast. You can follow us on our social media on Facebook at Plot Mechanics Official. That's P-L-O-T-M-E-C-H-A-N-I-C-S-O-F-F-I-C-I-A-L. We're on Instagram at Plot Mechanics and on Twitter at Plot Mechanics 4. So that's Plot Mechanics and the number 4 because there are four of us. Thanks for the support and hope to see you guys in the next episode.